0: If you would join me in the Gospel of Luke in the 10th chapter, Luke chapter 10, uh, a somewhat familiar scene for many of us. These sisters, Mary and Martha, have the greatest joy and privilege uh, a family could have, right? Jesus comes to their home. Can you imagine that? What if Jesus were coming to your home today? That's what happens to them. It says, we read this earlier, but we'll pick up right there in verse 38. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray together. Father, give us grace. Give us help by your spirit. Now open our eyes to the hope to which we've been called to. There's so much more to life than we often settle for. So I pray that you'd use your word for the purpose of awakening us to the privilege it is to know you, and to serve you. Father, guard us from serving you in ways that are distracted and not in line with what you actually have told us to do, that our labor, well, as the Apostle Paul says, would not be in vain. Father, if there's anyone here this morning who's anxious and troubled about many things, I pray that you'd give us grace to see that there's only one thing that's really necessary. Help us to know what that is, And then, Father, not just to know what it is, but give us grace to choose it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we've been studying through Luke's gospel, here's a a regular occurrence. Luke sets up a scene, and, and then Jesus' response to what's going on is not what those who are there expect him to do, right? We've seen this over and over and over again in Luke's gospel. For example... The disciples withdrew with Jesus to a desolate place and there a great crowd came and they told him to send the crowd away. And Jesus doesn't send the crowd away. He tells them to give them something to eat. Another scene is they enter a Samaritan village and there they're not welcome, they're rejected. And uh, and John and James say, Jesus, let's call fire down from heaven and destroy the Samaritan village. But Jesus rebuked them Right. Another scene is John says, oh, Jesus, there's a disciple out there who uh, is casting out demons in your name, but he's not with one of us. So I told him to stop. And Jesus said, rebuked him and said he who is not against you is 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 for you. And then, of course, the good Samaritan, uh, probably the best example of all, when Jesus teaches us what it's like to really love our neighbor, the person he puts at the center of the story is a Samaritan, the very uh, kind of person that was despised by the Jewish audience. Jesus keeps um, tearing down sinful assumptions, and he enters Martha and Mary's house, and in the Scene of their home, he tears another one down, and it's a significant assumption that people people make. But but the problem with some assumptions is they're not based on truth. So so I have a a three point outline here. I'll go on and uh, share it with you. I'm terrible at alliteration, but managed to pull it off in this instance. We're going to look at the people that are in this scene. Then we're going to look at their problem, and, and then we're going to look at what. The prescription is to their people's problem. Is that enough Ps in one? I know I'm Brandon D's. It should have all started with a D, but we'll just go with these. That the people, the problem. Then they're, let's look at these these people. They're sisters, and this is a fascinating thing uh, that happens, and it's true in your family. If you've got siblings, they they come from the same parents, but they're totally different in their personalities. Does that happen in your family? It, it's interesting, isn't it, how, how two people in the same home can, can not just have different personalities, but sort of the opposite? They've got different temperaments. Did you know that you have a temperament? And, and here's the deal with our temperaments. You know what the problem with our temperament is? We think that everybody should have the same temperament that we do, right? And here's the interesting thing not only it's siblings, but sometimes it happens in a marriage. You know the old saying is opposites attract? And it's fun on the front end, isn't it? And then you get into the marriage. You're an extrovert. You married an introvert. Church service is over. They're gone. You want to stand and talk, right? You just watch it. You can see it every Sunday night in particular. They, all these extroverts get together. and They're talk, 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 And then here's the introverts over here jangling the keys. You know, that's what'll, that's what'll happen, all right? Or, or, or uh, uh, a <laughs> spender married a saver. That's fun, isn't it? Doers married thinkers task oriented married people oriented now now uh, what's true in the marriage can also be true guess what in the church and and the issue begins when we think that everybody should have the same temperament and way of doing things that that i do but here's the beauty of the the way god's built the church is he's made us all different he's made us all unique we got some extroverts we got some introverts we got some thinkers we got some doers we got this person and and, and these personalities change now now now, Martha and Mary are sisters, but sometimes we get annoyed with people when, because of their different temperaments, they don't do things the exact same way we would do them. As a matter of fact, I bet the next conflict you have is on this basis. If somebody says something or does something, and it's not quite the way that you would have done it or said it, or, and then there begins to be this f- friction, right? Hey, here's Martha. Martha. It says, uh, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now, we've read some places in Luke's gospel where Jesus went into some villages and he got no welcome like this, haven't we? That's Samaritan village. He walked in. There's nowhere for him to lay his head and rest. So you've got to think for the Jesus and the disciples, at least when we know, uh, we're not told here specifically. We're told in John 11 that they lived in Bethany. That's the name of their village. They, hey, we know when we get to Bethany, oh, Martha, Martha's going to welcome us. I mean, after a day of traveling, they entered the village. They've probably been walking all day. What a wonderful blessing it is to have someone welcome them into your house. Some people are just good at that, aren't they? You, you know, some people like that. You know, you go to their house, and it's just you, the hospitality is going to be through the roof. You're going to be welcomed. They they know what you like to eat. They've made it. They they, they cater to you. People are just gifted. That it's a spiritual gift, by the way, the spiritual gift of hospitality, and it's a great blessing. When a church has people who are gifted in in, in in that way. But it says a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So we're not going to skip over this. Whose house is it? It's Martha's house. Now we're not giving all the details. Perhaps she was a perhaps she was a widow. But, but, but in those days, for a woman to have the house and it be in her name, so to speak, was, was pretty rare. So it's her house, that means the hospitality is what? Her responsibility. And we all know this, right? There are times you want people to come to your house. And then there's other times where you hear the doorbell ring or a knock on the door. And you got somewhere that you shove everything or this, that, or the other. You know, she, she, she is responsible. It's her name on the line, so to speak. So she welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, it doesn't take a lot of imagination to understand this scene going on, Right? I mean, Martha's in the kitchen, she's preparing the meal, she's the hospitable one, and then her sister is not in there helping her. Can you feel Martha getting more and more annoyed? How many times do you think she did the glance into the room? You know what I mean? She walks in there and just kind of glanced, just checked in and walks back. Probably several times she didn't say anything. She just kind of walked in the room. And you know what that the, the killer look is? I'm sure I'm sure, Mary, I'm sure Mary knew she was receiving it without even looking. You know what I mean? It's like she, she could feel the... the, the and there's this, this... It's about to boil up over the top, isn't it? Maybe she starts kind of banging the pots and pans a little bit louder. Maybe, maybe she'll get the hint. And here's Martha sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him. Uh, excuse me, Mary. So, so what's, Martha, what's Martha thinking? Mary needs to come in here and what? Help me. She, she needs to get up and come in here and help me out. And, and she you kind of sense that maybe she paces back and forth until she can't take it anymore. So for, first point is there are different people, different people with different temperaments, and it becomes a problem when you assume that people who don't have your temperament should think like you do and do what you think they should do. Now let's come to the problem. The problem is outlined here in verse 40. But Martha was distracted. The Greek word is perispato. It literally means dragged away. But Martha was dragged away with much serving. So if we think about that word a little bit, dragged away, dragged away from what? Dragged away from listening to Jesus. You see, here's what the problem is jesus she's she's welcomed him into her house but she doesn't listen to him Do you see this and i'll tell you what it's possible isn't it to welcome jesus without worshiping jesus you know it's possible to do that to be friendly towards him now he's been to places he's been to places where they slammed the door in his face and didn't listen to him and now he's welcomed into a house but in the end believe it or not the result is the same uh, He's still not being listened to. Now, it's possible. And I want you to think about this for a moment. It's possible to live your life in such a way that you welcome Jesus, but you don't worship Jesus. You even do things for him. That's what she's doing. She, she's, she's distracted with much serving, trying to do something for him, but the problem is she doesn't listen to him. What do you think Jesus' preference is? He wants to be listened to because the problem is... <laughs> The serving that she's doing is not actually what he would have her do, right? Now, uh, here, here's, the, here's the, can I give you a couple of, uh... <laughs> Martha's not deceived by much sin. She's not discouraged by much suffering. She's distracted by much serving. And, and those seem to be, those seem to be the, the, the arsenal of the enemy. If he's going to get you not to listen to Jesus, it's going to either be because of the deceitfulness of sin, the discouragement of suffering, or the distraction of, of serving. And though they're different, the result in each case is the same, and that's we don't listen to him. Let me give you a glimpse into the makeup of a distracted person. There's just a few verses here, but we, we, get, we, we pick up on it pretty quick. Let me give you, uh, let's see here, six verses. Just real quick, we'll tick them off real quick, uh, and, and what I would like you to do is just listen to them and maybe use the scripture as a, uh, <laughs> as a as an investigator in our own lives. Number one, she was very busy, very busy, so we're still under the the problem she 's distracted, and she's very busy. Her to do list is long, but did you know? That busy does not always equal productive. Do you know that? It's sometimes, sometimes you can be really busy, but you're not actually being productive. And that's especially true in the kingdom of God. Did, did you know it's possible in the church to be really, really, really busy and really, really doing a lot of things and the calendar's full and the, and the schedule? We've mapped it out for weeks on in. But if we get busy about it, but we're not listening to him, do you see that that becomes a really big problem? How about in your life? How's your to-do list? Is it long? Really, really long? You get up in the morning and all of a sudden you've already got it on your mind, right? And here's what happens. I've got so much to do. What's the first thing to go? I don't have time for this today, right? Don't have time to pray today. Got too much to do. Now, that's Martha. Jesus is coming to her house. She welcomes him in. He welcomed him into her house. She she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted. She was dragged away with much serving. Her conclusion was, I don't have time to listen to this right now. I don't have time to listen to Jesus right now. I have to serve Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that, uh, it's shocking, isn't it? And it's also familiar, isn't it? We don't have time today. I'm going to go do something in Jesus' name. I just don't have time to listen to him. Now, here's the question. If you're not listening to him, it's possible that you start serving him in a way that he actually didn't ever ask you to do in the first place. And that is twofold. The danger is twofold. Now you're serving him in a way that he didn't ask you to serve him. And at the same time, because you can't do two things at once, you're now not doing the things that he would be glorified by, that he would be pleased by. Do you see? See, this is Martha. She welcomes him. She likes Jesus. She welcomes him to her home. She welcomes him but doesn't worship him and isn't obedient to him. So, number one, she's very busy. And secondly, the distracted person has a feeling of being alone. What's, what's getting under her skin? <laughs> I'm in here doing all the work, and nobody's helping me. You ever feel like that? You get involved in something, and, he, and you start to get a little bit irritated because not everybody jumped on board with what you started to do. Where, where's my help? right? You, you look around and, and, and then she starts to throw a little pity party. Have you ever done this? Well, if they, they really they really. They ought to be in here, and it's a feeling of being alone. In fact, in fact, that's one reason some people choose to stay busy. Is because they feel so alone, and so to fill up the time, they, they, they sometimes they don't want to face the big issues of life, and so let's just get, let's just keep all the plates spinning. And here comes one, and it's slowing in. Let's spin that one, and spin that one, and so, so I don't have to deal with the really hard things of life. So, so one, she's very busy. Two, she feels alone. Do you not care that my sister's left me alone? Number three, there's a simmering irritation. It's always just beneath the surface, ready to explode. Have you ever been around the really busy person and who's distracted with much, when it finally comes out? And they're trying to keep it under control. And here's Martha. She's distracted with much serving. And then there comes a point where she just can't take it anymore. There's this simmering irritation. And then who does she take the irritation out on? That brings us to number four, a feeling that God does not care for you. You've been busy, you've been doing everything, you've established the agenda, here's what needs to get done, and then, there's, and, and, and then when not everybody jumps on board with your to-do list, there's a simmering irritation, and then you feel like God doesn't care, doesn't care for you. Look what she says. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? <laughs> Now, we're not told, we're not told specifically and exactly what Jesus was there teaching about. But having studied through Luke's gospel, we can make an educated guess, can't we? What's he been teaching about for chapter after chapter after chapter? The Son of Man is going to go to Jerusalem. He must suffer many things, be crucified, and then on the third day rise again. That's what he's been teaching, right? But she hasn't heard it. Do you, you see here's what here's what happens is We're left feeling like God doesn't care about us when when we set the conditions about how he could show that he cares about us. And they're actually so much less than what he's done for us in Christ Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? We get this plate spinning and, and if God really cared about me, he'd do this and he'd do this and he'd do this. Here's what the Bible says if we'll take time to listen to it. God demonstrates his love for us in this way that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you know know what? I I, I don't know for sure, but perhaps Jesus is sitting in that room and he's explaining and Martha's getting it. Martha's understanding it. But Mary, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. I always get their names confused. I apologize. Mary's getting it and Martha is feeling irritated, not just at her sister, but at who else? Lord, do you not care that she's not doing what I, no, no, um, Uh, I think this is my next marker. A willingness to tell God what he should do. It's another hallmark of the distracted. The distracted begin to think that God himself should adopt their agenda. God, do you not... Or What Was it, what's he say here? Uh, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. And then she tells Jesus what to do. Doesn't she? Tell her then to help me. And I think what she actually anticipates is Jesus agreeing with her. I think she actually anticipates the hostility's been simmering. Finally, she breaks in there. She's been busy. She's been serving. She's probably a, a sweaty mess. She's ready to serve. Lord, tell her to come in. And she, thinks, she actually thinks Jesus is going to say, you know what, Martha? You're exactly right. Have you, ever, have you ever assumed Jesus would adopt your agenda and then it didn't happen? <laughs> the distracted oftentimes come up with all sorts of ideas of what everyone should be doing but they didn't actually get the idea from jesus and when they walk into a scene and they begin to dictate here's what needs to happen they assume god's going to bless what their idea was so here's a simple application are you able to tie your agenda directly to god's word you know what i mean what you purpose to do in your life, how you use your time? Are you able to tie it? If not, we're like Martha. We've made up our own plan and now ask God to bless it. So let's look at what Jesus does. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, I had one more, hallmark of, uh, <laughs> one more hallmark, hallmark of the distracted, and that's a hostile attitude towards those closest to us. In her busy irritated frustrated distracted state she targets two people with her hostility and who are they one is jesus and the other is her sister and that is a hallmark of the distracted very busy feeling of being alone simmering irritation a feeling god does not care about you a willingness to tell god what he should do And a hostile attitude towards those closest to us. So she finally explodes. And can can you imagine the scene? She's interrupted Jesus' teaching. She interrupted him. And it's done in such a way that it has to be addressed, right? (laughs) But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Now, Repeating the name twice does have significance as we move to the third point about our prescription of handling this problem. The doubling of the name expresses deep emotion. All through the scripture, uh, when you see a name repeated. And it's not disappointment or condescension that Jesus is going to lay at her. It's compassion, compassion. He's a good physician. Martha, Martha. You ready for a prescription? You ready for it? You are anxious and troubled about many things. Look over with me in Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Luke chapter 12, verse 22. If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown out into the oven, how much more will he not clothe you? O you of little faith. We get a little hint there. Anxiety is the result of little faith. And do, you, do, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. One, one other passage of Scripture briefly is in Philippians. So if you're in Luke, you, you, you need to keep turning in the New Testament to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 2. Interestingly enough, Paul mentions two other ladies who were at odds with each other, perhaps along the same lines as Mary and Martha had been. Uh, He says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Cintiq to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored... See, they're about hard work and service who've labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. That goes out the window when you get too busy, doesn't it? Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. It's not reasonable to tell God what he should do and it's not reasonable to tell him your agenda needs to be his agenda. The Lord is at hand. Now look at what he says. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made unto to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, so the physician makes an accurate diagnosis And the diagnosis for Martha is that she's anxious and troubled about many things, right? That's the diagnosis. But a a, a physician doesn't need to just tell you what the problem is. Needs to also offer a solution, right? But identifying the root of the problem is a good start. We did that. Here's Here's the prescription. But one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So, what is the prescription to anxious and troubled about many things? The solution is, is actually listening. Listening to Jesus. Now, uh, <laughs> you remember the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Right? Do you see that Luke, uh, by God's design and under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's balancing some things for us here. What was the conclusion of the Good Samaritan parable? What did Jesus tell the lawyer? You go and do likewise. In, In other words, following Christ is about doing some things. It is not about passing by on the, on, on the other side. It's about seeing people who are in need and then doing something to help them. And then we immediately leave that scene and we come upon some, somebody who's doing a lot of things. However, their doing is misguided. They're, they're, they're busy, uh, they're hardworking, they're diligent, they're, they're faithful. And, and this is a common theme throughout Luke's gospel. We'll get to Luke 24 and here's another collection of faithful, diligent hard-working sisters in the Lord. On the first day of the week at early dawn, the women went to the tomb, taking with them the spices they had prepared. That's hard work to prepare, burial spices back in those days. And they've been at it as long as they've been at it. And when they got to the tomb, they found the stone rode away from the tomb, and they were perplexed about this. Why were they perplexed about this when Jesus had told them over and over and over and over and over and over again, the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. They're there on the third day. It's early dawn. They're perplexed about the tomb, rode away, and while they're perplexed about this, behold, two men in dazzling apparel stood by them and said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? You know why they're looking for the living among the dead? Because they had not listened to Jesus. So they had spent and invested hours of their lives, time, and it's it's done in a way to honor Jesus, just like Martha's trying to honestly honor Jesus. But the work is misappropriated. So all the time that they've spent, I'll tell you what, tell you what, the most humiliating thing to show up with at a resurrection is burial spices. You know what I mean? Can, can you see them, the angel? Oh, and then they remembered what he said. Can you see them? You're the one who had this idea. Burial spices were your idea. Trying to tuck them in there, in their pockets. It's a problem for us to be busy, but everything we're doing, not to be in obedient response. What he actually said to do, you know what he said to do? Go to all the nations, proclaiming the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what he said to do. And, and, and you know what we do? We say, "Well, yeah, I know he said that, but <laughs> here's a way." You know what? Some sometimes I feel like in my life I need is something called simplicity. Let me give you a couple of applications. Allow Jesus to dictate his agenda to you, not your temperament dictating your agenda to him. And, and for, for, for some of us, in seasons of my life, that, that turned everything upside down for me. And then life can be distracting, so simplicity is the best policy. And by that, what I mean is, let's get into this book, let's read what he says, and let's do this First. Now, now if we, if we spend our time doing this and you got some time left over, guess what? That's actually not going to happen. L- life's not about spinning a bunch of plates and keep them all spinning. You know, i got this to do and this to do and this to do and this to do. Uh, when, when, when we get at his feet, w- what we are is actually liberated to see that there are just actually a few things that are important in life. And and life's not about mastering a dozen things. It's about being mastered by a few simple, precious realities that we've been studying and learning from Luke's gospel to serve the hurting, to not pass by on the other side, to proclaim the gospel, both in what we say and in how we live. I know we all face the pressure. So, the, uh, uh, of, of being anxious and troubled about many things. Now, I'm going to tell you, the, the world we live in, you're going to walk out of here, and wherever you're going to go, all of a sudden, all these messages are going to bombard you about all these things that somebody else is going to tell you are really, 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 really important. And you need to be doing this, and you need to be doing that, and your children need to be involved in this, and they got to do that, and you got to do it, and you, did the, 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 the. And you get a thousand things, and you'll get up and you say, man, I'm anxious and troubled about many things, and you'll realize the one thing you're not doing is what? Sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him. By, by the way, I think it's worth pointing out that in those days, for a woman to sit at a teacher's feet like this was revolutionary. And that might be part of Martha's irritation. She doesn't think that's where Mary should be. Uh, 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 sitting at somebody's feet is, is you're saying you're their student in those days. And, and, and she walks in and finds Mary doing that. And it may be she just said, I don't know about about this. But Jesus doesn't doesn't tell Mary to get up and go. He says, Mary, now here's an important verb. You study the Bible, verbs are important. Mary has, what's the verb? Chosen the good portion. What we're talking about is you have to make choices. You have to make decisions. Did, did, Did you know, uh, busyness is a choice now now, uh, last application real, real fast I think <laughs> I have a bad habit of saying last and then it not being the last So, I'm trying to be a man of my word here sitting at Jesus' feet and listening is not laziness I think sometimes we think that we live in a culture where busyness is esteemed You've probably talked to 10 people this morning. How was your week? And the response was what? It's been busy. It's been busy. You know, it's actually not God's design to make your life a whirlwind of crazy busyness. Um, On the flip side, on the flip side now, Jesus is not saying that all we're ever to do is sit at his feet and listen to his teaching. However, I do think he's saying it's the first thing we need to do. So that when we go and do, it's in accordance with what he's said. Does that make sense? So, so he's not saying Mary's just exclusively for the rest of her life. She's going to get this legal pad up and she's going to fill up notes after notes after notes. And, after, and all I want her to do is fill out these notes. Now that's, that's, that's not the point at all. It's listen to what I say and then serve and be faithful and be obedient uh, accordingly. Martha proves for us that when we try to come up with the agenda ourselves, we, we fail miserably so as a as a church family in just a moment talking about let's let's do what he told us to do do you know what he told us to do do this in remembrance of of me um we're not we're not saved by busyness we're not saved by works we're we're saved by grace Uh, again uh, (laughs) look i confess i have one more point wasn't quite my last point because we got to see this. If you're in Luke, I want you to come over here to John, chapter 11. In Luke's account, the the scene just kind of closes. The the, the curtain comes down, and we're just left wondering, well, what must have happened after that? So John, so John picks up. Uh, in John chapter 11, Jesus is going to come back to Bethany. The the issue is that Mary and Martha had a brother named Lazarus. And, and this is obviously a family that Jesus knew well and loved very much. And Lazarus has died and Mary and Martha both feel the same way. They, they feel like if Jesus had gotten there before he died, that he, he could have healed him. I mean, we welcomed you into our house. He kind of get what they're maybe thinking. We welcomed you and we did all these things and, and, and you've healed all these other people. And our brother just left him to die. Now, verse 17 of chapter 11. Now, when Jesus came, I guess my, 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 my point is, the question is, did, did Martha ever learn to listen? So, so now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. In other words, it wouldn't have been that hard for him to have come. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Question. What word did Jesus just use three times? Believe. 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 Where do you you understand what you should believe? Sitting at his feet, listening to him. How do you do that today? Say, I'm going to go to my house and Jesus is not going to be sitting there for me to... You do it in in a... in, in a number of ways. It begins with regular reading and study of God's Word. If you're not in the habit of reading the Bible regularly, take a chapter a day. The Gospel of John or 1 John are great places to start and, and, and just begin to faithfully read and sit and, with, undistractedly listen to what he says. She said to him, Now, let's ask it quick. Did she ever learn to listen? Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. There are only two options as to how she would understand that. Option number one was that when Jesus said, Martha, Mary's chosen the better portion, she repented, understood. You're right. That's option number one. Option number two is Mary told her. (laughs) Mary told her at some point. But do you see that what was required in either case is somebody sitting at his feet, listening to him, right? When it comes to the gospel and ministry, everything rises and falls on people in humility, sitting at his feet, saying, here's what he said to do, and then, and then doing it. I want you to stand with me, and we're going to pray together, and we're going to have a time of invitation, and then we're going to lead right in after a time of invitation into communion together this this morning so a couple of different things during the invitation is one is maybe in life it's a season of anxious and troubled about many things and you just maybe where you are or even here at the front would just would come and kneel and just confess to the lord i've been anxious and troubled about many things and it's led me to overlooking the one thing that's necessary i want to choose the better portion you may have a concern or a prayer request i'll stand here as the pastor to, to pray with anybody Maybe as we've studied the Word of God today, your eyes have been opened to say, I've spent my whole life trying to do things for Jesus. Step one is understanding what He's done for us and then serving in light of that. Never really submitted to Him as Lord and Savior. He, he went to Jerusalem, was crucified, and I've I got a bunch of burial spices. And He's resurrected. Maybe the Lord would just examine your heart and mind, your family, and your life. Your, and just... But a spotlight in his grace. Remember Martha, Martha, his compassion. Maybe he'd say your name two times this morning. You're anxious and troubled about many things. I'm bow your bow your heads with me. Each one of our names, I do think, fits into this text in one of two ways. You take your name, you take your name. It's either your name, for example, me, Brandon, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Or it's Brandon has chosen the better portion, and it will not be taken from him. How about you? Father, I pray that you'd lead our time as we prepare now, both to respond to what your Word says, and then to prepare our hearts and minds to receive communion, to do something in remembrance of you, to sit at your feet and understand how you've been faithful to us and shown your and demonstrated your love for us. Even when we're still sinners, Christ gave His body for us. He was crucified on the cross. He shed His blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. But because of the holy, righteous blood of Christ Jesus, our sins. Can be forgiven. Father, the enemy attacks us by either the deceitfulness of sin, the discouragement that can come from suffering, and even the distraction of much serving that's actually not done in light of who you are and what you've done and what you've told us to do. So, Father, give us grace. Give, Give us grace to be lovingly confronted by the Lord Jesus Christ. His agenda for us is that we'd be redeemed. His agenda for us is much greater than our agendas. So, Father, lead our time. Help us to respond in a way that glorifies Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.